is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. Why did you move from, you kind of partially grew up in New Jersey and then moved to Georgia. Yes. Why did you move? Well, I'm actually, so I'm from Georgia originally. Oh, okay. No, no, but you had it right. So okay. I'm from Georgia, Decatur, Georgia. Okay. When I was 10 years old, I moved to New Jersey to live with my father and my stepmother. Okay. And, um, you know, part of the reason was for a, a better school system, but I also had started working um, professionally and I was closer to New York City by living in New Jersey. Um, and so it was awesome because um, I got to live with my dad, who is such an incredible person, and uh, got to see a little bit of his business. He's a, a news reporter, and I, and I got to little, see a little bit of how he works. Mm. Um, it was scary because I moved to f from a place where my church was, my friends were, my mom was, yeah. to knowing nobody but my father. What did that teach you about opening your mind to Ooh. people who are different? Oof. Boy, it... <sighs> So much. Mm. Um, where I was from in Georgia, when you would meet a stranger, you'd ask them, hey, which church did you go to? Like, Southern Baptist. Everyone <laughs> within my community was Southern Baptist. Yeah. And I, it wasn't until I moved to New Jersey that I realized that asking someone what church they went to was borderline offensive because that was them and I was assuming yeah. That this person believed in the same exact thing that I did and uh. that they went, you know, they went to church. I didn't even acknowledge mosques or temples or, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I just, I just didn't know. It yeah. was, it was ignorance. So it taught me um, a lot about openness and about kind of being blank slates when you meet people and not assuming anything. Because even if you don't mean it from a harsh place, it could, it could be offensive. Mm. Um, and, and so, yeah, it taught me to be open. I went from having... You know, only going to school with black and white kids in Georgia to going to school with people from all over the world oh, yeah. in New Jersey. Um, and it was incredible. Um, yeah. Why did you move back down to Georgia? So my, what was it? My uh, eighth grade year, yeah. I finished middle school in New Jersey and it was amazing. Huh. Um, but truth be told, I just, I, I kind of miss my mom mm. and uh, my sister, my, I, have an, I have two older sisters, but uh, my middle sister was going off to college mm. and I just, you know, I wanted I to go, go back, back and, and, you know, hang, make sure my mom was okay. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to go to high school in Atlanta because again, I'm a singer songwriter and the opportunities as far as music is concerned in Atlanta are vast like there's so much going on there Huge. so i wanted to move back there to kind of get closer to uh my recording artist dreams and it worked out well i got working with some incredible producers and got better at my songwriting skills and it was awesome writing music do you start mm -hmm. with lyrics or melody or both? i start with melody well actually i shouldn't say that most times i start with a melody but it on varies on the piano or you sing it out i just or? sing it out I sing it out and I'll record it and I will have all these crazy notes on my phone and I'll go back and I'll put lyrics to them. Mm. And I love it very much. Yeah, yeah. Do you, is there a time of day for you when you create music or is it whenever? whenever? it comes to me. It's insane. I can be it's asleep. Amazing. You just wake up. I can be like, asleep <laughs> and we'll be <laughs> dreaming. No, you're, I love this. I'm so serious. No, it's crazy. It, I'm a crazy person. Um, <laughs> I'll be dream, I will be fast asleep and be dreaming about like a song and then I will before I, I don't want to forget it so I will like truly wake up and be like oh shoot let me write let me record that I'll be on the subway thinking of something I have this one song that is the f I was just walking uh down the street and uh it was just so much going on in New York City from 
a bunch of cars blowing their horns to uh, a mother and a daughter talking and mm. and it was all so insane but kind of beautiful and I just started recording it I started recording the sounds that were around me and I wrote one of my favorite songs I've ever written right there walking down the street it just inspired by like the sounds that I was hearing wow so it can come at any time does all of your music fit into a genre is it across multiple it's across multiple is it a new a new genre you know I would like to think it was new but (laughs) but I don't think I'm that cool to just like create something (laughs) fierce but it's totally it's cross all over the place okay the only thing I feel like I haven't topped it tapped into is no rock and roll no like country music but Mm. I mean a lot of R&B stuff a lot of pop stuff neo soul I mean it kind of just it's just like what I feel which has been my struggle with releasing projects is because I I have such a variety of sounds that I've been told I need to kind of when releasing a project figure out one type of sound to go with Mm. and put it out so I'll figure that out soon that could be the struggle oh it's a struggle I've had that too when looking up like creating this podcast alone mm-hmm. like who is your avatar what is your one demographic totally and i'm it's like it's not one person right no but <laughs> when you have the one person then there's outliers and you create that tribe because right. you're focusing on the one sound one yes person, which i love yes. how did drumline and big mama's house three yes come about so drumline came about because my mother was pulled onto that project to uh help with the event planning and with the, uh, I don't know if you have you seen Drumline. Yeah. So you know, there's there's sororities of fraternities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were made up. They were completely fictional sororities of fraternities. And my yeah. mother was in charge of coming up with. My mother's a Delta Sigma Theta in real life, <laughs> and so she was in charge of coming up with these fake sororities of fraternities and like making them authentic. So she like helped with that, and uh, you know, had two kids and was like, can they? come around you know one of my daughters is an actress and so they let me come and be in it and um it was awesome it was so much fun and and I had never done uh film before so I was obsessed with that new way of creating art I was obsessed with it um and then a few years later uh Big Mama's house this is after I moved back to Atlanta so I'd already lived in Jersey for a few years Mm. um these choreographers came to my high school to audition dancers for the film and I danced for it and I gave it my all and I got cast and then we had about I want to say maybe two weeks of rehearsal learning all the pieces for the for the film and our final performance of it um, I just was living my absolute best life again Mm. I was so young to be doing that yeah so I just started going in and the producers came and they pulled myself and another young woman aside who I went to high school with. Her name was Jasmia, phenomenal dancer. Um, they pulled us aside and they said, we'd like for you guys to read for two characters that are in the, in the movie that we hadn't cast yet. Mm. And we were like, okay. Cause we just <laughs> thought we were going to be, you know, dancers yeah. in the background and we read for them and, and they cast us. So we went from being, um, you know, again, just dancers and, you know, uh, uh, day players to, being part of the divas, which is the which is a group of friends that um, ruled the school, yeah. the mean girls of the school, <laughs> and it was great. And That's so that so was my cool. first time having lines and uh, with incredible actors like Martin Lawrence, who I was a huge fan of, um, and I got to, you know, just. Was there any standout conversations with Martin? Ooh. On set or anything? Was there? 
Oh my goodness, he's a, he's crazy. <laughs> he, he was a, a, a crazy man. I don't know. I don't, I'm sure there were, but I don't remember okay. them now. But I know there were standout like actions. And one thing I loved about him is that he was this. I mean, by the time Big Mama's House Three came out, this man is a legend from his stand-up comedy to Bad Boys to Martin the Show. Oh yeah. And he carried himself like he was just another, you know, Joe Schmo on the street on the set. Huh. He was so kind and normal, mm. and I was like. Okay, if Martin Lawrence can treat people here like he is a nobody, I think that I have every right to remain humble and be myself no matter where mm. this, this journey takes me. He was so nice. And, mm. you know, I just kind of looked up to him that whole time and, and his kindness and his, like, playfulness on set. And I was, like, so inspired by it. Yeah. He was great. Are there common, like, themes of top performers that you you've worked with and are working with Ooh. like backstage rehearsals mm -hmm. is there anything that stands out in your mind yes i think i love watching brilliant performers balance the act of being kind and being personable with everyone around them mm. while still making sure that it's clear that this is a job that they take very serious i think yeah. that's hard because i think when you set a precedent of like i'm friendly and i'm open you know people want to talk to you all the time but yeah. there's also a moment where you have to kind of get in your own zone and be focused and some of the most incredible actors that I've had the chance of working with balance that seamlessly mm. it's incredible mm -hmm. um, Nick Codero is, a, is an uh, incredible example he's Tony nominated he's the star of our show he is also one of the coolest guys I've ever met yeah. but he has this way about him where you feel free and fun talking to him about anything but you totally respect yeah. when it's time for you to, to shut up and let him get in his moment yeah. and therefore he produces an incredible uh, piece of work when he steps out on that stage because he is in it to win it um, and I just I love that actors can find that balance of, of being kind and open but still being incredibly focused and diligent about their work such a balance oh my goodness yeah um, are you have you gotten better at saying no I'm things. working on it. It's tricky. That's why I'm curious. It's so hard. And oh my goodness, I'm working on it. But it's hard because you don't want to let people down. Yeah. Um, but one thing I'm starting to learn is that the the requirements of an of a of an actor, uh, a theater actor specifically, music theater actor specifically, yeah. are borderline insane. They're immense. It's insane. <laughs> the requirements are insane. I mean, to sustain a show eight times a week, vocally, physically, mentally, mm. is absolutely insane mm. when you think about it. Um, and you know, for me, my my workload is starting to increase, um, which is a blessing. Nothing to complain about. Mm. But I'm I'm noticing that I just don't have the the ability to do my show eight times a week. Um, you know, rehearse for my next show and, you know, and then do concerts and things. I, I just personally don't have the strength. Some actors I'm sure can, but I know I don't. Mm. And so it's, it's something I'm learning mm. to say, no, not right now. And it's very hard, yeah. but you got to do it. And people who love you and respect your art and your craft will totally understand. Yeah. Um, and if they don't, then I think those people are just kind of takers and are rude. It's a good thing you said no in the first place. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, I don't want to work with you anyway. That's, you know what? That's very interesting because I've noticed that too. Like, first of all, thank you for saying yes to this. Oh, because you're, you're busy. I'm honored. And you, you're taking time to do this for an extended amount of time. The people who say, 
what was I just going to say? Oh, my goodness. I just lost it. People who say no. Um, people it's who the way no. people respond to you when you say no. Oh, yes. That is the telling. Yes. Because then you're like, oh, in the future, you may say yes. Right. A lot quicker. Yeah. And that's the something that I've noticed, too. When I say, to no, when I say no to something, mm-hmm. it's the way people respond to it. Absolutely. Like, that speaks the loudest. Absolutely. In an interaction. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's just, uh, I love that. These are great, great answers. Um, I want to talk about your process before Mm. you go into a show, Mm -hmm. like literally half hour call, Mm. you know, right before you go on. What do you do? What mental state do you get yourself in? What's your process? I try to be as relaxed as humanly possible. Mm. I love the ladies that I share dressing room with. They're awesome, but they have quickly learned that at half hour, I most likely will put my headphones in and I watch something on Netflix, something that is almost like a brainless thing, a brainless thing. Absolutely. And I'll just, you know, kind of put my makeup on and be quiet. Mm. And even though there's a Netflix show playing, um, I'm just relaxing my spirit and relaxing myself so that when it's time to step into this, this person, I feel like I started with a blank slate. Mm-hmm. So that I can kind of release the parts of, of Christiani, of myself, that have nothing to do with Jane. And just only focus on the, the parts of myself that are similar to the character that I'm about to portray. And just be as open as I possibly can. Because I found the days that I, you know, am running late and, and don't have the time to get as relaxed as I can. My performance is... is um, it, it, it's just cluttered. Mm. It's cluttered with other other things as opposed to just being in it and being and, and listening and being opening and, and mm. being open excuse me and I don't like that so I just try to get as relaxed as I possibly can um, so that I can start just open and just mm. ready to receive what my the other actors are telling me um, and that way when things happen in the audience or you know with it, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not thrown off by it any show stop or you anything, know like, and oh. we have had a show stop and it and it's you know, again, when you can relax and be silent and be open, yeah. oh, you're ready for anything. I love that. Is that the way you start your day? Uh, yes, I try. Well, how it do you start your day? Um, so. I start my day with prayer. I wake up. I pray. I thank God for waking me up. Mm. Um, and then, yes, I, you know, you got to. The thing we take for granted is life. Absolutely. Life and health. Life and the, health. It's insane. It's just that, I don't know, everyone can probably hear this buzzing going on in the background. Sorry, guys. Um, It's literally the thing we take for granted. Mm -hmm. And it's free. Mm -hmm. We did nothing to deserve it. Absolutely. There's no real, I mean, there's explanations, but why your heart is beating today. Right. It's like, it just is. It just is. So whatever you believe in, thank that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what I I do. Sorry, continue. No, no. So start with prayer. Because that's important. (laughs) That is, I mean, it's just, it's incredibly important. I'm glad to know that you don't take it for granted either. But yes, I wake up and I pray, yeah. um, and then I will either turn on my, <laughs> I'll either turn on my TV or yeah. watch something on my phone, just something to kind of, you know, get my mind yeah. right and wake me up because okay. when I'm I'm a very heavy sleeper, so when I wake up I am groggy. Uh. Um, but then I will, you know, wake up, shower, go to the gym. And uh, get ready for a show. I've noticed that I used to have so many other cool things I did before starting a Bronx Tale. But now, you know, there's not much you can do or else you will tire yourself out before you get to your show. So uh, after I go to the gym, I'm most likely just relaxing until it's time for the show. Do you have a text you refer to daily Mm. or in the morning 
versus. I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't have any any text um, that I refer to daily. Um, I know there is a, a a saying that I refer to daily that my dad has given me, which mm. is "count it all joy." That I I think about that every single day that I breathe. Count it all joy. That basically means whatever I go through today, uh. good or bad, I'm gonna count it all joyous because it is making me who I am. Yeah. It is. It is fueling what I'm going to go through today. Yeah. Um, and it's so helpful because there are days where life is just grand and like everything's happening the way it's supposed to happen. And like, ah, oh, it's easy to say, yes, count it all joy. And then there are days where you're like, should I just go back to sleep today? I should I just start <laughs> over again? And, but, but I still remind myself, nope, count it all joy. Because I, in that moment I realized that whatever, uh, crappy thing is happening right now it's mm. happening for a reason mm. and it's happening to make me better or, or help me for something else in the future so count it all joy y'all every do day do you have a favorite story of life happening for you Ooh, or something that life happening for me hmm oh yes I do so I was auditioning for a show I don't know if I should even I'm not gonna say the show it might come up in my story but whatever <laughs> so I was auditioning for a show that I was like this is gonna be the job that changes my life. It mm. is the job I've always wanted. Yes, Jesus, this is going to be it. And I made it to a final callback. So I said, okay, God, I think, I think that this is, this is the one. Mm. And um, I get severe audition anxiety. So I hate when I get an email that says, the final callback is this day. This producer is going to be in the room. This it makes me really nervous. And mm. that's what happened. So I did the audition and it was horrible. It was horrible. Mm. Um, I bombed it. I wasn't in it. I was messing up. It was, it was just so bad. And this is songs I've been singing since I was like eight years old. Mm. And I was like, I remember walking out and being like, how, like, I made mistakes that I didn't even think I was capable of making. How, <laughs> Jesus, no. did I do that? Yeah. I mean, mortified. I was yeah. crying and everything. So fast forward, uh, an audition for King Kong comes up, and um, I thought that this this part was way too large for me to get where I was in my career. So I, I took it very serious, and I worked hard, but I never thought I'd actually get it. So there was this freeness when I went into the audition room of like, I know y'all not going to give this to me, so let me just go go all the way in and yeah. have fun. When I found out that I got the show, after crying and thanking God, the only thing I could think about was, that's why. That, that's, why. that's why all those months ago, I went in for something that I thought had been my destiny since I was eight years old, and I thought that I was gonna nail, that's why, that wasn't for me. That was life and my experience, I say God, mm -hmm. telling me that like, that was not your, that wasn't it. Mm -hmm. So no matter how many times you were singing that song when you were eight till now, that was not a part of your journey. Mm -hmm. I have something for you that you never even thought you were capable of doing. I just didn't feel capable of something as iconic as an Ann Darrow, this classic American beauty in King Kong. I did not feel like I was worthy of that. Mm. And life said, well. You are. You are, girl. <laughs> Give your I, I, I just, I was like, oh, what? Like, what is life? What That's is incredible. life? That, I mean, that for me was like. Wow, that's that's incredible because it happens to me too. If I don't get something I want, 
Yeah. I used to focus on the fact that I didn't get the yeah, thing. Yeah, totally. I think about it, and it's already passed. It's gone. It's I have gone. someone else, <laughs> and I'm still thinking about it, right. and it's already closed. And I'm like, not realizing, though, I'm like, it's just making space. It's just making space. I didn't get that because it's making space for something else. Yep, that you can't even foresee. Fathom. Yep. Can't even fathom. Oh, it's crazy. I, it's crazy. Yes. It is. It's it really awesome, is. awesome, but you're like, well, I wish I would have known. That would have saved me a lot of tears and Kleenexes. <laughs> and <laughs> It really would have. I read this about another thing I read about you that Come I on, love, and I want to talk about it for a second. To those who much is given, mm -hmm. much is required. Mm -hmm. I want to know, mm -hmm. what does that mean to you? Oh, That means that people are... People who are blessed with an abundance of whatever it's money or skill or intelligence or mm. emotional intelligence. I think that when you have an abundance of something, uh, you then have a job and a duty to to share some of what you have uh, and to and to be an example for people who need what you have. Mm. Um, and I, I think that is crucial. Mm. I think that's crucial. It is. Um, when you, I mean, God has blessed me. I, you know, at 25 years old, I do not take anything that God has given me for granted. And if I do, I need to get my sugar honey iced tea together because he has blessed me with so much. And so I feel like it is now my duty. Like I am re truly required uh, to lead by example. I am required to, to help people when I can. Um, I'm required to, to teach um, people who may need uh, mentorship. It's my job. Yeah. Um, because I, uh, because I know that there are people who, who don't have as much right now yeah. and, uh, who's going to help them people who do. Yeah. So I think that that's something that my, my parents told me when I was little. Um, and I, when I was little, I was like, but I don't have anything. <laughs> like, what you mean too much is given? I don't have anything. To <laughs> There's nothing required. There's nothing re <laughs> right. But, but I didn't realize that, that, uh, they were just kind of telling me about the future and, and setting prepared. me up, get prepared. Mm -hmm. And, and God has given me some pretty amazing stuff. And I know that I am required to lead by example. Who are you when you're at your best? Ooh, Beyonce. <laughs> Great. Next question. <laughs> What? <laughs> I wish. No, I wish. Um, when I'm at my best, I think I am uh, a combination of my sisters, my mother, my cousin uh, Jesse. My these are all strong women in my life. Um, Linda Stevenson, uh, which is my drama teacher that I was referring to. I think I am a combination of those women. Truly, mm -hmm. I think I'm taking all their incredible characteristics, which made me who I am. And they're all they all come together at one time. And mm -hmm. I am like at one with who I am constantly supposed to be. You just this just vision came to me when you said Ooh, this. Come on. Literally, this meaning of standing on the shoulders mm. of those who came before you. Absolutely. That I can picture it as you describe this mm. with being a combination of you're literally standing on the shoulders of what they taught you absolutely and who you are absolutely that's incredible and i hope they know that i try to i try to tell them as much as i can but um i i know i am um this is kind of random but thinking about standing on shoulders i was talking to my mom about uh the character and darrow and king kong and i was saying that you know okay mama you know she was 25 in the night in 1931 so she was born in 1906 and blah blah, blah. and my mom stops me and she goes Oh, well, your great-grandma Cora was born in 1906, 1905, 1906, one of them. And, uh, you know, she has such an uh, incredible story. So I said, tell me about it. Long story short, my grandma uh, Cora, my great-grandmother Cora, lived the life that Ann Darrow would have lived. 
had the story of King Kong gone on and on and on and how we get to follow Anne Darrow's character. Mm. That was my grandmother Cora's, my great grandma Cora's life. It was, it was her life. And I was like, oh, this, this character is like literally in my blood. And I, it, it, that just reminded oh me of when we talk about standing on people's shoulders. I'm like, I, I, I'm standing on the shoulders of my great grandmother without even knowing it. I, I'd never known wow, any stories about her. That spoke so loudly to me. It's <laughs> insane. It's yeah. insane. Like every little minor detail about what my great grandmother went through um, in the early 1900s and living through the Great Depression as a as a Southern Black woman. I mean, her story is insane, wow. and it is so similar hmm. to this character that I'm trying to develop. And yeah. I was like, oh, well, that's 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 some of the work right there. It's already within me. Yeah. I'm standing on her shoulders and I get to kind of project to a to a, a louder audience some of the things that she would have said had she had a voice for people to hear. And it's it bl- it blows me away. I mean, that is like such a large, wide look at the universe conspiring. Who is it? Oh yeah, because you couldn't plan that. Mm-mm. Nineteen going all the way back to nineteen oh six, and like the role belongs to you. It's in it, it. I mean, it's like, and there's no no like you know what is it like no shade over no. it. It belongs to you. It, I have to. I immediately. It's in you. I imme- It is. It's in my blood. That's I call, incredible. I I messaged our director Drew McConey. I immediately took the Facebook and I said, Drew, I'm so sorry, but I have to tell you this story. And I told him every little detail. Um, you know, so so the character of Ann Darrow leaves a farm in the Midwest to move to New York City to to uh, follow her dreams as being an entertainer. My great grandmother Cora um, was. And, and so, sorry, in rehearsals, we were trying to figure out, well, what did Ann Darrow leave behind on the farm? What did she run from? Why did she leave? other than just wanting to go to New York City, you know, what, what was she leaving? And, and I was like, that's a great question. Well, I found out that my great-grandmother, Cora, uh, at 15 years old, was set up in an arranged marriage. Um, she was married to a man her father's age. She was 30 years her senior, 15 years old. Um, she, so her life was, was changed forever uh, at 15. When her husband passed away, uh, he left his money and his real estate to her. And my great-grandmother, Cora, took that real estate and she started selling properties to black families to start an environment of black homeowners where there weren't any in Sanford, Florida. And I was, I was blown away because that was my great grandmother taking back her power as a woman and as a black woman. And that was her way of, of saying, I I went through these things when I was younger, I I left those things behind Mm. and this is me coming up and taking back my power. Mm. And that is, that is completely what Andara wants to do. She wants to leave the, the farm behind and take back her power as a woman. And so I said, well, maybe that's what she was leaving. The fear of an arranged marriage, the fear of, of, of having nothing, the fear of being taken advantage of. It is, it is absolutely not by mistake that I have gotten this incredible opportunity to play this role and to tell that story because I know that there are things that my great-grandmother probably wanted to say or needed to say that no one would listen to. And lo and behold, her great-granddaughter, who she never met, gets the opportunity to tell her story. It is, it's, it blows my mind. People are literally going to pay to hear the things that no one would listen to. That's just, oh my Blows my mind. God. In New York City of all places. <laughs> the big, the big flash and light city that everybody wanted to get yeah. to. It's insane. Oh my God. It's a blessing. 
It is. That's oh, thank you for sharing that. Okay, I don't want to hold you up here too much longer, so I want to. We're gonna we're gonna work our way to the end here. Let's do it. I'm just gonna hit you with some curveball questions. Your answers could be long or short. Yes. Changes okay. made in your life that have increased positivity or decreased negativity. Mm. Are there any recently or? Um. Let's see. Um. Hmm. I think yes. I think recently my sisters. I have two older sisters. Have had children. Uh, and having nieces and nephews has 100% changed my life for the better. Uh, mm. It's made me look at life in a 100%. Everything I look at is more positive because I know that I have little babies that I am like living for, that I want to be an example for. Mm. Um, and it's made me incredibly happy to have these little youngins look up to me. Mm. And uh, it's given me a drive that I never really had. Um, and I'm so much better for it. I love that. Are there common pieces of incorrect advice you hear in your field of work? Yes. Yes. Some of where them to are. Begin. Where to begin? Truly, where to begin? Yeah. Um, I think some of them are to women. I feel like I often hear uh, people telling women that they have to kind of be complacent and kind of do do whatever they can to, to get somewhere in this business. Um, mm. And that is not true. That yeah. is not true. Um, it's hard to stand up for yourself and it's hard to be a voice but but you have to do it and there are people who will respect you for doing that there are now more female producers than there have ever been and they will respect you for that and I, it makes me sick when i hear people tell women to like practice like being complacent and practice being silent in order to propel their career forward because that's just not the case it's just not the case um so that that always really irks my nerves when i hear people talk about complacency and not saying nothing. Mm. Um, and I think another common mistake I hear people talk about is like the idea of perfection. I think, you know, again, being in music theater, we, we like praise people who are like triple threats and like are the best at everything. And I just don't think that that's necessary for all forms of art and what we do. It's just not necessary. Mm. I think that as long as you are a truthful storyteller and you have truth that you want to bring, I think you will find success. But this idea of being perfect and being, you know, the best in show, I just think is a little detrimental um, to your actual creative process. So when I hear those two things, I'm always like, oh, rolling my eyes in the corner, like, child, that ain't right. Yeah. I'm telling them it had to be perfect. It's not true. Yeah, Ugh. you can't. You're you human. can't. You're going to hurt yourself trying to be. Do you have a favorite failure or apparent failure that set you up for success? Um, I have so many failures. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. <laughs> um, I think, you know, one of them was that, that story I was telling before yeah. about failing miserably in that audition. Yeah. That, okay. That's been one that sets, that I think has set me up um, because it also helped me enter my next audition process freer and letting yeah. my, and like not putting that much pressure on myself as I did before. Mm. And, and that's helped because now anything I've auditioned for since, I've had this sort of mentality that like, if it's for me, it's for me. Mm. And if it's not, it's not. So mm. there's no reason for me to be so adamant about being, you know, exactly what these people want because you don't, I don't know what they want. <laughs> yeah. So if it's for me, it's going to be for me. Do you have, um, I love that. That mm -hmm. speaks very loudly to me. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to talk about it for too long, but I love that. Oh yeah. Um, I don't want to speak on it for too long, <laughs> but I love that. <laughs> Mistakes made that have proved essential in learning. Are there any that come to mind? Yes. Oh my goodness. Um, I think some mistake that I've made is I, like I said, I have wanted to do this for a very long time. I've always taken it very serious. 
Um, and I think that I can be a little single minded when it comes to success. And I get so caught up in wanting to do my best work that I think I can miss moments that are happening around me with people that I love. Um, and so I had to learn that you can be super, super focused on your goals and focus on your, uh, your aspirations and focus on your hard work. But I think it's important to kind of look up sometimes from your script or look up from, from whatever you're learning and absorb the greatness that's around you because you can really miss out on things. And that's a, that's a mistake that I have made. And, it, and it's an easy mistake to make when you want something so badly. Um, but, you know, it's important to make sure that even though you want to be great, mm. you keep your moral compass strong and you focus mm. on how to make sure that you're treating other people with, with kindness along the way and not missing, you know, crucial moments of, of opportunities around you. The little things. Mm-hmm. I love that. Do you have a most gifted book or a book you'd recommend? <gasps> oh. Favorite book? Oh, my gosh. I love books. I have so many books that I'd recommend. Mm, Let me see. Um, ooh. <sighs> Between the World and Me between, uh, by Ta-Nehisi Coates is truly one of my favorites. Um, and I recommend it just because it's so specific. Um, I think right now there's so much going on in the world that we talk about things kind of generally. And like even I did when I first started talking about treat people with love. And that's true. But it's general. And in this book, it's this guy's specific point of view about his specific encounters with injustice in the world. And because of its specificity, anybody can relate to it. The more specific you are, I think, the more it speaks to people. Mm -hmm. um, and so I recommend that anybody who is confused by the world and wanting to know what they can do as an individual to make things better mm. should read that book because it is excellent. I love it. It's excellent. That's great. That's really great. Do you have a most worthwhile investment, be it skill set, time, or money? Mm, yes. <laughs> I think that it is, I would say... I would say your, I would say physical health, and okay. I don't, and I don't mean about looking snatched all the time and like being. Be, I don't mean that. I just mean like genuinely taking care of yourself. And I think it's worth the investment to listen to your body, uh, because it is all we have in this world. And I, I think that the more uh, attention you pay to your physical health, you're just adding time to your life to to just be here longer. And I think it's. From what I found to be my most prized investment is is going to the gym um, and taking the time to listen to what my body needs to work at its highest capacity. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you're literally investing in your 60, 70, 80, 90 year old self. Oh, yeah. Today. Oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It. It's, it's important. So true. I mean, you're investing on your health now, too, but it's that future. But it pays that off. Exactly. Because yes. yes. you see Tita Rivera, she is still living. And so I ma it makes me think yes. that when Tita Rivera was 25, she... I don't think was not paying close attention to how healthy she was being. Um, and now she is better than ever. You know, I think the same thing about Paul McCartney. T totally. Literally. Totally. I saw great. him with that. Do you see car karaoke car thing yes. the other day? It was like a 20 minute episode yes. he did with James Gordon. It's and I was brilliant. just watching him and I was like, this guy went through these, the drug epidemics and the psychedelics. And I don't think he did them <laughs> at all. Because he is on it. Because he is. He is yeah. Yeah. Didn't miss a beat. I, yeah, I get the impression that he wrote and sang about it, but didn't participate mm -hmm. because he's like there. He's there, and that's how I want to be. Yeah, I want to be with it. Longevity. You don't want people taking advantage of you. Nobody's taking advantage of Paul McCartney. No. Nobody. He no one. Allow that. <laughs> no. Do you, metaphorically speaking, have a word or a phrase that you'd put on a billboard for millions of people to see? Ooh, you know, 
I do, and I think it's going to be. It's it's a long one. Is that okay? That's great. Okay, I think it's going to be what I was saying earlier, which is, what is for you is for you. What is set in your path, no one can take away or destroy. That is, that is my mantra. That is something that I believe in so much, um, and I think it's true. And that what is set in my path in this life is is gonna is gonna be there, and it's my job to stay on the path and stay focused. Um, but but no one can take that from me, and that goes for everybody. And I think if you if you truly believe in that and truly know that, it'll save you from the competition, from the competitive thoughts, from the jealousy, from the heartache. It'll save you from all that because you know that you're perfect, and what you're supposed to get, you're gonna get. It's already set. It's already been preordained for just you. Christiani. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. Literally, this is awesome. Thank you. Thank you so I much. I feel like we could do a part two, three, four, five. Listen, we'll always. We'll have to touch back. We'll have to do we another must. one. We must. Uh, where can we find you? You guys can find me, I feel like, everywhere. I'm on Twitter as Christiani Pitts. I'm on Instagram as Christiani World. My mother came up with that. And I am on Facebook as Christiani Pitts. And uh, yeah. That's where I'm at. And you can find her streets. at the Long Acre Theater. Yes, you can find me at uh, Anna Bronx Tale um, yes. at the Long Acre Theater on 48th Street <laughs> um, until July 15th, unfortunately. So come out um, because yeah. I'm almost done, um, which is very sad. And then you can find me at the Broadway Theater uh, starting October 5th. Yes. This is incredible. Thank you for sitting down with me. Thank you for Thank having you me. Thank you for talking to me about this wide range all the things mass of stuff yes. this has been really great this has been awesome thank you so much ladies and gentlemen christiani pitts you've been listening to entertainment x the podcast you can follow entertainment x on instagram at underscore entertainment x underscore if you haven't yet go to apple podcasts and subscribe rate and review this podcast Join Clay next week for another Curiosity Conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. 